We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Kyle Porter, who is finally off Tiger Watch. Kyle, welcome back. I feel like I've been in the the vortex for like five days. Uh, it was a it was a uh, it was an interesting space. It was dark at times. It was great at times. The best of times. <laughs> the worst of times. Uh, but I'm actually on double duty double duty podcasting today. Uh, I'm doing. Something with Kyle Boone for uh, the Reload podcast, our uh, recruiting podcast, a little bit later on. So, oh, check uh, that out. Yeah, big big day, big day of uh, of podcasting for me. A lot of a lot of Courtney Ramey talk. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually I'm actually going to be kind of a pseudo host on his podcast because he got a bunch of recruiting questions and he's like, "Do you want to come on and talk about these?" And I was like, "How about I come on and ask you these and you talk about them?" <laughs> <laughs> because I'm not uh into the recruiting scene like he is. But yeah, it should be should be a lot of basketball and uh football recruiting talk, so it should be fun. Yeah, interested to hear that. I'm interested to see what Mike Boynton can do, as we've talked about on here before. Uh can I ask you a possibly dumb question about Tiger before we get into OSU basketball? Yeah, let's hear it. I, I'm I've been excited about this. I don't know why more people don't do this who have won the Masters. Okay, Tiger's won the Masters. He's a member mm-hmm. at Augusta, starting nope, right now. Not not a member. Not a member. But he can show up and play, right? Uh, you can only show up and play if you're in that year's tournament, which he always is. So yes. So starting today at 1:42 p.m. on on Thursday, Feb- March first. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't he move to Augusta and play Augusta every <laughs> single day until the Masters starts? Like, what is what is preventing like this whole notion that they come in like on Monday and get a few practice? Why, why doesn't he just set up shop there and just play it every single day to where he knows the course? I mean, he knows the course anyway, but like I'm talking like knowing every bump on every green. Why doesn't he do that? Uh, well, th- there are two reasons. The first is he's going to play other events between now and then. Uh, I I think I mean. I think he probably will go he's there. Playing like one, he's playing like one event, right? I mean, he's not like playing a full schedule. Yeah, one one or two. But I think he will go there quite a bit. I don't know if he's going <laughs> to buy a house there. But the other is it, it's um, uh, how do I how do I say this? It's somewhat discouraged for players to to go there and, and just play whenever they uh, want every day. Like an unri- unwritten rule, like it's kind yeah. of bad form. I mean, I think he can get away with more than, like, say, my boy Wesley Bryan, um, <laughs> who actually does live around there, or actually does live in Augusta. Uh, so that might be a bad example. But Tiger can get away with more than most, but I, I don't think it's, like, it's not super kosher to just be, you know, rolling in there. Hey, hey, Fred, how's it going? Fred Ridley, the the new chairman there. Uh, just every morning at seven a.m. So I think that they don't, they don't have like a most of like it. a like a bunk bed and butler cabin. He can just stay in for a while. <laughs> uh, I don't think so. I don't think Dang. that's how it goes down. Well, but, I, I mean, just... he he does like he'll probably go there a couple weekends and get in you know six or seven rounds or I don't know whatever. Yeah, I guess that's plenty. But I yeah. was, I had that thought like that's what I would do. I would just move there, play there every day for like three weeks. Here's my question, and I need to actually ask him this. Uh, and it was a question that our buddy Matt Quaid uh, posed to me one time. Why does Nick Faldo broadcast the Masters instead of playing in it? 
Oh, because those guys, when they get older and they can't compete on the regular, like they don't want to like demean themselves and shoot 80. You know what I mean? They don't want to. Yeah, but, but he's not that old. I mean, I mean, he's getting there now, but he hasn't been for the last, you know, 10 or 12 years. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think you also reach that threshold where you have so much money and TV is pretty easy to do <laughs> and you get paid a lot of money to do it, I guess. But I don't know. That's interesting. I never, hadn't really thought of that. I guess he's been doing TV a long time now. Yeah, he's 60 and he's been doing TV since, oh, I don't know, probably for the last 10 or 12 years, I guess. Um, yeah, but that takes him right up to the senior level. So he probably just realized he didn't have it. Yeah, but think about this. That'd be like Phil in three years being like, yep, I'm out. Let's go uh, Let's go do TV. No more masters for me. That's true. That's crazy, right? Yeah. Who's your, who's your early pick for the masters? Who's going to win it? Uh, not Ricky. Uh, he's not playing well. Mm. Uh, I'm going to pick um, Justin Rose. Yeah, that's a great pick. Like, he is yep. so good. He's so yeah. good at the majors. And he, I just I feel like he's due. Man, I'm getting excited about the Masters. I'm booking my booking my travel today. Um, fired up. Is Ricky the new Dash Day? <laughs> that was a take from Tron Carter. No laying up. Like as in Dash Day is Jason Day's kid. For people who don't know, he's always w- awaiting Jason at the 18th green to celebrate with him. He was he was <laughs> awaiting uh, Justin Thomas on the 18th green. Was backward cap that you you you're a backwards cap guy, so you probably like that. Yeah, that's fine. I don't mind that. That, can't that do it frowned upon at Augusta? Yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's not great. Can't do that. Okay, people are probably tired of the golf talk. Let's talk OSU hoops. Uh, huge win. I mean, I um, I just lost my train of thought. Who did they play last? <laughs> <laughs> at Iowa State. I, I, yeah, I totally just blanked out <laughs> there. Yeah, they won at Ames. Uh, pretty incredible, Kyle. I, I thought PFB Nate, I, I shout him out every podcast now. I might have to have him on. Great tweet from him. Summed up my thoughts completely was, Remember when Travis Ford couldn't beat an eighth grade girls team on the road? Yeah. Now Mike Boynton has won at the three toughest venues in the Big 12. Pretty impressive. Yeah, I know. And they should have beat Texas on Saturday. Or I don't know about should have. They could have uh, won, won in Austin. And then we'd be talking about, you know, real tournament chances, which we can talk about in a minute. But isn't it crazy that Oklahoma State hasn't won in aim since 2010, I think is the year? Feels like longer than that too. Yeah, that is crazy. I mean, I, I can't. This site didn't even exist. My my website didn't even exist in 2010. <laughs> it's a long time ago. So and first, I don't even I don't even really remember like Eddie winning up there hardly at all. It's always been a tough place to play. Yeah, but no, it's, it's impressive. And I guess the craziest stat ever is Jeffrey Carroll and Mitchell Solomon have now won at every venue in the Big 12. The first players to do that since uh, Bob Maddock in our 1954. Boy. Yeah, yeah, Bob Maddock. Uh, speaking of the blog starting in 2011, <laughs> years ago we did like a OSU all-time player draft, and who took Bob Maddock and, and received all the ridicule? It was, uh, I believe, it was Justin Mitchell. That's right. Yeah, and he was he was like he was like dumbfounded. We thought it was a bad pick, <laughs> but shout out to Bob Maddock, uh, an incredible achievement, really, for Jeffrey Carroll and Mitchell Solomon, and. Yeah, just once upon a time, OSU couldn't win on the road. Now it's the yeah. only place that really. I mean, it's but yeah, you mentioned that Texas game. This, this is insane. Uh, the game in Stillwater and the game in Austin, the same score, yeah. and either team should have won the other game. Like OSU should have lost yeah. in Stillwater and won in yeah. Austin. Just totally wild. And 
I tell you, I, I have a video queued up, Kyle, for whenever Texas doesn't make the tournament. I'm going to splice the uh, Texas is back touchdown against Notre Dame. And the Longhorn announcer is going, Texas is in the tournament. They've won. They're in the NC, And then they miss out. I'm going to splice those together. Well, it was insane, right? Like, it was their seventh Big 12 win, and they still had games against I – I don't even – who did they lose to on, on Tuesday? I think they played Kansas State and I don't know. They play West Virginia on Saturday. And so they're probably going to lose that one and it's like I don't I don't know that the I mean what what was the big like revelation about beating Oklahoma State at home that got them into the tournament? It's the Longhorn Network. They live in an I, alternate reality. They're so bad. Like I don't I don't love um like criticizing other media because it's like the stuff that especially broadcasters like yourself, like that stuff's hard. Like it really is. Like I've tried to do some of it and it's, and it's tough, but my gosh, like, I mean, it's just, it's so bad. Like just have at least a little objectivity. Well, to your point, their next games were at Kansas. They lost obviously. And in their home against West Virginia, they could very easily lose both of those. So I don't know. I don't know why they jumped to conclusions. But I, Kyle, I, as far as OSU, like if they beat Kansas, like they're going to have an unbelievable resume in terms of quality wins. I know their RPI is terrible, but they're going to really, I think, be on the bubble if they beat Kansas. I mean, I just, I, it's confusing to me why Oklahoma is solidly in. And OSU is not. I guess we can go over. Kyle Boone wrote a really great article, uh, kind of diagramming all of the bubble teams. I know OU has like the number one strength of record, but they've won one game in the month of February. They're they're just in a tailspin, but they're solidly in, and OSU's not. It's it's confusing to me. Well, it's. Sh- I mean, it shouldn't be. It's just Trey Young. Just people want to watch Trey Young. Yeah. I mean, and and they have. That's, that's silly. I mean. Well, the, the whole thing is, so the thing to me that's incredibly confounding is you look on all these sites, um, my employer included, CBS Sports, and Oklahoma State's not even on the on the bubble? Like, I, I, guess, I just don't really understand how they're not even on the bubble. I mean, they're, they're about to go, uh, if they win on Saturday, they'll be 8 and 10 in the Big 12, and you, you have teams like Texas and OU to, that if they lose on Saturday... They're gonna be they're gonna be seven and eleven in the Big Twelve, and yet those teams are not only are they on the bubble, they're in the tournament. Now I get that Texas and OU played a better non-conference, but Oklahoma State went what ten and three in non-conference and had a, a top twenty-five win. I I I I, 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 I do understand them not being in the NCAA tournament, like like people predicting them to to miss it, but I don't understand them not even being on the bubble. Yeah, I mean, in Kyle's article, OSU's strength of schedule is 12th in the country. Their strength of record is 61. I don't really understand the strength of record versus strength of schedule. And that knocks their RPI all the way down to 95. But I think strength seven- of record is is the, the uh, uh, I guess, RPI or whatever of the teams that you, that you beat versus the teams you lost to. Okay. But, I mean, I... They're four and eleven against quadrant one. OSU is. They're three and two against quadrant two. So I mean, if they beat Kansas, I think they're going to have a legitimate argument. Especially when you start comparing their 
their resume to other bubble teams. I think we can admit OU's not really on the bubble right now. Now, if they lose to Iowa State to end the year and maybe lose the first game of the Big 12 tournament, then they will definitely be on the bubble. But I don't know. I I, I guess we're doing an OSU podcast. Maybe that's why we think they should have a better, a more solid status. But it's kind of confusing to me. Well, it is confusing because it seems like the tournament values – uh, and, and we see this in football, right? Like they value uh, really good wins and don't necessarily dock you for, for bad losses. And Oklahoma State has, you know, six wins that were pretty pretty awesome. I mean, it, the irony here is that OU kind of being in free fall mode hurts Oklahoma State uh, because at the time that they beat OU in Stillwater, OU was the number four team in the country. And that was a big deal. And now it's like, oh, well, it's, you know, not really a big deal. But the thing to me that stood out about Kyle's article, and I want to see if you agree with this, is he said the lowest uh, RPI team to ever get in the NCAA tournament with an at-large bid, so that's a team that didn't win their conference tournament, was USC in 2011, and their RPI was 67. Oklahoma State's RPI right now is 95. Uh, how high would it climb if they beat Kansas on Saturday? I wonder. Yeah, I don't know. Would that get that might get them to around sixty, maybe? I I don't know. But um, one thing we do know, Kyle, I know Bill Self has never been swept in Big Twelve mm. play. That's a crazy stat. I'm sure he's going to harp on that with his players to try and get them motivated for a game that really doesn't mean anything to them since they've already clinched the Big Twelve title. But one thing we know, Bill Self. He didn't play well in Galagariba Arena. I would love to see. Do you have his record handy? His, his record at Galagariba? I don't. It's not. It's not good. I mean, he's lost to Sean Sutton there. He obviously lost to Eddie, but he lost to Sean Sutton there. He lost to Travis Ford there. Um, he lost to Brad Underwood there. So Mike Boynton, it's a big opportunity, and I think Bill likes to throw one to his alma mater. Of course, he already threw one in, in Lawrence, but uh, not, he didn't throw it. They won it, but you, you know what I'm saying. Did um, Kansas beat Oklahoma State in Stillwater last year, right? Uh, is that right? Pretty, I, thought, I, thought, I thought Underwood beat him up there. Uh, in Stillwater? I don't, yeah. I don't think so. Anyway, going yeah. into last year's game, Self was 3-6 and six in Gallagher-Iva. Wow. Yeah. That, that's an incredible stat, considering how good Kansas has been, how bad OSU's been. That's crazy. Tell you, Bill. Bill just he, he loads up on cheese fries the night before and just kind of takes a long nap before the game and uh, likes to you know do do a solid for his alma mater. You know he, he's making up he's making it up to Mike Holder when he told him he was taking the OSU job and backed out. Uh, Kansas beat Oklahoma State ninety to eighty five last year. So self That's is four correct. and self is four and six. Uh, Jeffrey Carroll had 27, Jawan had 22, and 15 assists. But uh, Frank Mason had 27, and, and he Ford, was Ford beat him his last year there. Yeah, Ford, no, that's he beat him what twice there. I'm looking it up now, but he Ford won his last year against Kansas. Yeah, that was the best. Stillwater. I think I think uh, Mason Cox played meaningful minutes in that game. Shout out to Mason Cox. Yeah. Aussie rules football. <laughs> but no, I, I mean, I, I'm really interested in, and, and Oklahoma State's in a in a bad spot in terms of, or they're going to be in a bad spot in terms of the Big 12 tournament because 
you're going to play a, a, a first day game that's not going to mean a ton in terms of a quality win because you're going to be playing a, an OU or a Texas or, you know, somebody, an Iowa State, somebody that's kind of farther down uh, nationally, uh, obviously because they're playing on the first day of the Big 12 tournament. But if they win that game, they're going to have an opportunity to get another quality win at the Big 12 tournament. So I don't know. What Do you think if Oklahoma State beats Kansas, let's say Oklahoma State beats Kansas on Saturday, they go to the Big 12 tournament and they play, let's say, we'll say Texas, and they beat Texas, but then they lose in the second round of the Big 12 tournament to, who I don't, West Virginia. Are they in? Um, I say yes, just because of their quality wins. I think it's going to be really hard if they do all that for the committee to take a team that maybe have a, a better RPI but without the quality wins. Because uh, I think oh she's going to have probably near the top of quality wins of the bubble teams. Now in that scenario, I think they're going to either be the first four out or the last four in. It's going to be like they're going to have a camera in Stillwater, you know, showing the teams that are like have no idea if they're in the tournament or not. That's, that's what I think. But if they don't do any, if they just beat Kansas and then lose in the big 12 tournament first round, um, I'd say they're out. So Iowa state plays, uh, they play OU on Saturday, correct? Yeah. in Norman. So OU's going to win that game. They're going to finish eight and 10. Uh, Texas plays West Virginia. I think seven and 11. I think West Virginia is going to beat them. Yeah. So so Texas is going to be the number nine team, no, the, the nine seed. If this is if Oklahoma State wins on Saturday against Kansas, right. Oklahoma State so, might be they might Oklahoma State might be tied for se- sixth in the Big Twelve. Yeah, and they would have that that crucial eighth win. You know, I think only two teams ever have gotten in the tournament with four games under five hundred. Uh, or seven and you know seven wins in the Big Twelve and gotten in. I think it was Iowa State did it back in the Big Eight days, and and Florida State did it uh, five six years ago, where they were four games under five hundred uh, and, and got in. So it's only happened twice. So I think if you get to eight wins, which we've said all season long, like again, I just I don't get why OSU is not even on the bubble right now. Because if they yeah. do beat Kansas, they get to eight wins. That's that crucial threshold. They have the quality wins to back it up. And they've played really well on the road, which I think the committee gives some some weight to. They're not like OU where they just win their home games. Yeah. I think I think those, not only the quality wins, they won them on the road, which is even more impressive. So I, I don't know. I, I think it's, I, I'm still confused why they're just so solidly not on the bubble right now. So we'll have to see. Obviously they have to beat Kansas or this is all moot, but um, I don't know. I, I like their odds too. Like Kansas can't be motivated for this game, can they? I mean, I know they're Kansas and they want to win, but they don't have a whole lot to play for. And if, if it's sold out, which we think it will be against Kansas, packed house, Gallagher, Iba, I don't know. That, that shapes up well for OSU, I would think. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, we need to talk about our sponsor, Coop Aleworks. Uh, Carson, I got some good news for you about Coop Aleworks. Uh-oh, our, late on me. Our intern, Jacob Overton, is putting together a Coop Aleworks uh, March bracket, and we're gonna nice. We're gonna figure out how to how to play it out on the blog and get people to vote, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. It'll be good. Yeah, 
yeah, a little power poll. See who yeah. see who moves on and advances. He he had a great idea, he, and I think we're going to end up doing it like this probably if we can get the numbers. But uh, seeding the team, seeding the beers by um, overall sales. So whatever sells best is the number one seed. Ah, so F five is the number one overall seed probably. But then, but then if you've got a groundswell of support for the Saturday Siren, if Carson can rally the troops. Oh, the Cinderella story. Yeah. Cinderella Siren. <laughs> Let's go, okay. Cinderella Siren. It's time for the Coupel Works Toast of the Week. Coupel Works, bring great tasting craft beer in Oklahoma City. Try the flagship F5 IPA, the bold DNR Belgian Strong Ale, or the refreshing Horny Toad Blonde. For your next watch party tailgate or get together with friends, enjoy a cold coupe at works, and please remember to drink responsibly. Uh, do you have a toast, Carson? I do. Okay, let's uh, hear it. I'm going to toast a George Mason siren, the, the Cinderella story, <laughs> to uh, Mitchell Solomon. I thought he was excellent. Obviously, Jeffrey Carroll was great, too, but I want to toast Mitchell Solomon. He had that crucial, crucial offensive rebound up, up in Ames. And he's just he he's really blossomed into a really good college basketball player. Is he all Big Twelve first team? No, but he's he's turned into a really really good college player and and kind of the player that he was recruited to be. Remember, he was a four star coming out of out of Bixby, and he's really blossomed. And I think he he does the the little things that helps OSU win like those offensive rebounds. So I want to toast a George Mason Cinderella Saturday Siren to uh, Mitchell <laughs> Solomon. That's so good. I love that. Uh, I'm actually I'm gonna go a different sport. I'm gonna toast uh, a F5 because that's what I always toast uh, to uh, Chris Lacey. Chris Lacey at the combine this week, which I feel like is a big deal. I, I don't know if we made a big enough deal out of it, but I thought that was pretty awesome that he got invited. Uh, they're doing uh, measurements right now. Shout out to Mason Rudolph's hands and. <laughs> um, yeah, he just I, I I hope that he gets a couple years in the in the NFL. I, I have no idea if he's going to, if he's good enough or whatever. But but I wanted to talk about uh this piece that Adam Want wrote about uh comparisons for these guys. But anyway, shout out to Chris Lacey. Toast to Chris Lacey and F five for a great career and, and hopefully a couple years in the NFL before he moves on. It's mildly shocking that he got invited to the combine. We look, we, we both agree. He's a really good player, mm-hmm. but you just go to his numbers. Um, four catches his first year, eight catches his second year, 31 catches, 489 yards his junior year, and then just 20 catches, 264 yards his senior year. I mean, that's not really a resume that gets you invited to the combine. So obviously his, his agent did an excellent job and maybe they, the NFL saw, saw how good a player he was and obviously injuries affected his numbers his last year. But, uh, that was a pleasant surprise and a really good opportunity for him. But, uh, he was, he was an excellent player. I, I still remember how much he stepped up, uh, his junior year towards the end, those big catches he made at TCU. Yeah. Uh, uh, he, he really came up big in some big moments for OSU that West Virginia game. He caught that slant touchdown. So good for him. Can I give you Adam Lunt's, uh pro comparisons for these guys and get your reaction? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Mason Rudolph. Actually, you want to guess who is – did you see this, whose comparison was for Rudolph? I, I read it earlier today, but uh, okay. I, I don't remember off the top of my head. Uh, Andy Dalton. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of see it. They're, they're similar builds, and, and Dalton's actually – 
a decent runner, which Mason turned out to be a decent runner himself. He still kind of looks like a like a baby giraffe when he runs, but uh, he, he did run for ten touchdowns. So he uh, it's not a terrible comparison. I think I think Mason throws the deep ball more and maybe more effectively than Dalton did in college, but um, it's not a terrible comparison. Who would you compare him to? Uh, I I don't. I don't know. I think the the Roethlisberger comparison is kind of lazy. Like, I feel like somebody just said it and it was like, oh, yeah, like, that's okay. That's the guy. Uh, one mentioned Philip Rivers, which I think is pretty interesting. Hmm. To me, to me, Rudolph is more Rivers-y than he is Roethlisberger-y. I don't watch a ton of, of uh, NFL, but... Just from what I've seen, I, I feel like that's that's a pretty good comparison. Uh, Rivers does a really good deep ball, though. Yeah, I mean he's got a cannon. He's got a weird release, kind of that sidearm release. But Rivers has been yeah. really good. Um, yeah, I don't I don't hate the I don't hate the Dalton comparison actually. The more I think about it, you know, Dalton is not a he's not an unbelievable quarterback, but he's had a had a decent career. Okay, James Washington, uh, Adam once said Chris Chambers. He said yeah, this, by, he said this by far my favorite comparison of the bunch. Chambers might test your memory, but he had a successful career with the Miami Dolphins in the 2000s. He was 5'10", or 5'11", 210 pounds. Yeah, I didn't really – I remember Chris Chambers, but I didn't realize he was only uh, 5'11 and, and 210, which is – a perfect comparison for, for James Washington. There's not a lot of guys like there's, there's definitely shorter receivers like a, a Sterling Shepard and Antonio Brown, but they don't really play like Washington. I think, I think Chambers is a good, good comp for that. He also mentioned Greg Jennings. I think that's a, that's a really good comp as well. So we're going to, we're going to see, uh, I, I do think the fact that there's number one receivers now that aren't six, four will definitely help Washington. But you look at all the, the mocks and stuff, he's like the fourth or fifth receiver, which kind of surprised me. I thought the senior bowl, he really proved he was one or two in the draft. So we'll, we'll see if the combine can help him. Uh, for Marcel Aitman, we've got uh, Brandon Coleman. Brandon Coleman went to Rutgers, 6'5", lack of elite acceleration, but he fits the Aitman mold well. I, I, yeah. honestly, I don't know who Brandon Coleman is. Lunt is <laughs> Lunt is deep in the like combine scouting game. He he is neck deep in the combine scouting game. Um, who would he compare to? I'm trying to think of the taller receivers. Um, having trouble. Maybe a uh, maybe like a Kelvin Benjamin. He played at FSU. He was six, five. He's a little thicker than, than Aitman, a little slower, but, um, just catches everything kind of like, kind of like Aitman did. That's a guy just off the top of my head. I feel like Benjamin looks like he's like six, nine. He does. Like he's, he's got really long arms. Like I, I never, I feel like Aitman is more, uh, he doesn't really, I don't, he doesn't have short arms, but he's just, I feel like he did a really good job of being super like physical. Like Benjamin, I always struck me as a guy that you just run like a skinny post and throw it like four feet over the safety's head, and he would catch it, you know. Yeah. Uh, and Amen, it, it feels like it, it. Not that I'm not saying he's better than Benjamin, but I, I just feel like he's, to me, in my head, he's a little different, and that he's a little bit more physical. 
Yeah, a better comparison, I think, is... Um, no, I'm not saying Aitman is as good as this guy, but he kind of reminds me of him. It was Mike Evans from A&M, now plays mm. for Tampa Bay. Yeah, Remember those remember those plays where Manziel would just like throw it off his back foot up for grabs and <laughs> yeah. Evans would just always come down with it? That's kind of what Aitman did a lot. Remember the, the third down yeah. throw that Rudolph threw to him? Attack, He's a little, yeah. a little Mike Evans. He's not quite as thick, but same height, similar ball skills. Yeah, I like that. I like that. That one's good. Uh, I'm not going to give the Chris Lacey and Trey Flowers ones because I don't know those guys either. Uh, but it was it was a good article by Lund. I, I thought it was super interesting. Uh, speaking of Lund, we need to talk about uniforms. Let's get to this week's uniform review brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on campus corner, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Do we want to go to Adam Lund's uh, Oklahoma State uniform take, or do we want to talk Kansas first? Let's go to Lund. Okay, so Lund controversially said – that the Oklahoma State gray uniforms that they wore at Iowa State are their second best unis behind the Curse of Cowboys. I'll say this. They've grown on me. They're not as bad as I initially thought. And I actually think if it wasn't for the numbers, I would probably agree with them. The, the numbers just being the same color as the jersey just ruined them for me. I, I can't put them number two or even three or four just because of the numbers. They're hard to read. It, it doesn't flow as well. If they had orange numbers, they'd be elite Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I I really like them. I really do. I, they're different. They they need to change the numbers. We've talked about that before, but that's that's the only change I would make. I think they're I think they're cool. I think they stand out. Are we gonna see Curse of Cowboys on Saturday? Like what what happened? Oh, yeah, yeah. What happened? No, we, we will. Hundred percent. It's gonna be sold out. It's gonna be. Are you going? No, I got I got work at the station. It's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. I think. Yeah, I mean, as, as down as attendance has been over the years, there are those those Saturday afternoons against a big team, like like the Bedlam game this year, where Gallagher Iba gets back to vintage form. And if you haven't been, if you haven't been to a game where it's sold out, try to get there for Saturday because it's that arena. It just the acoustics of it, how it's built, it's just a special place. And when you get that place full to the top, it's among the best in the country if not top five. Um, and again, I've been there at times this year where it was empty and it got loud. So I yeah. can't imagine what it's going to be like on Saturday. I know. I consider driving up. I don't think I'm going to, but cause I don't know if anything can top Bedlam earlier this year for me, but, uh, yeah, it, it should be good. Um, speaking one more thing on Gallagher though, like, you know, I go there a lot for work and I'll, I'll go in there at times when it's totally empty where I'm the only person in there. I still kind of like get chills walking in that place. It's just maybe it's because I've been going there my whole life. Uh, obviously, I, I've been there more than people that have no association with OSU. But it, there's not many arenas like it. You, you factor yeah. in the, the floor, the history with the floor being the original floor, with just how it's constructed. It just it's a unbelievable sight when you when you walk in, even when it's totally empty and perfectly quiet. It's just. I love I love Gallagher, but it's it's awesome. Yeah, I do too. It, some some of my favorite college memories were playing pickup in there with, like after we would scrimmage against the the girls team, and yeah, it was it was awesome. Um, okay, we need to talk about Kansas's red uniforms that they wore on Monday night. You were aghast at uh, the the uh, the reds that they displayed against Texas. 
Oh, gorgeous. Like, um, I don't remember them wearing red a whole oh, lot. Oh, you, you love them. What? I thought, you, I thought you hated them. Oh, no, I love them. Oh, okay. I, I, I love okay. everything Kansas wears. Like, they, could wear, they could wear the turquoise that OSU wears, and I'd probably like it. <laughs> but no, uh, they wore these like red alternates that I haven't seen them wear. And How many uniforms does Kansas have? They got like four throwbacks. They got their originals. It's just they're exceptional. So I'm sure Kansas will drop the. They always they only seemingly wear their throwbacks against OSU. It seems like so. I'm sure I, I they'll bust out some. I don't know that I love. I don't. I don't think I like them. Well, I like them like once a year, just a total switch up. Yeah, I mean they're okay. I just I, I'm. I thought you were gonna say that you didn't like them. No, I liked them. Okay, I, I'm a, I'm on the other side. I, I don't I don't love them. Well, they're not as good as their throwbacks by any means but i like texas's whites better than the the white the, the i thought texas won that uniform matchup is what i'm trying to say yeah by the texas. way why's the why's the longhorn on the back of the shorts it looks like everybody's doug gottlieb their shorts <laughs> i know it's not a great look <laughs> uh okay let's uh let's hear one more time from our sponsor chris's university spirit and then we will come back and wrap things up Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly, shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson, what did we miss? What else did you want to uh, want to chat about? Are you are you or are you not entering your name uh, for the Arizona head coaching job? Uh, I'm seeing a bunch of tweets as if I guess Sean Miller had a press conference today and is refuting ESPN, so it's just a total fiasco. Um, I don't know. That's that's a weird situation. I, I did want to ask you, like, when you're scrimmaging the girls, like, what was your game? Who who'd you model your game after? Were you like Steph Curry? Would you just only shoot threes? Would you do the step back? Did you post no, them up? Like, I was, was your? I was more. Uh, I was more Rondo. So okay. Could, I, couldn't I, shoot. Just yeah. set the table for others. Yeah, tried to. Uh, I I was not a great shooter. And I and I knew it, and I was the smallest guy actually on our on our squad. Yeah, and you're not short. No, I'm six one, and I was, and so I always had to guard. I, I've probably told this story before. I always had to guard Andrea Riley, which was not fun. She was <laughs> a lot quicker than I was, and she crossed me over one time. She did you see the James Harden thing last? I was going to ask you if she James Hardened <clears throat> you. Oh yeah, and Coach Budkey just laughed at me and I was like, man, do you think you can guard her? And he just laughed at me and it was, it was hilarious and everybody was cracking <laughs> up. Uh, but now we had some, we had some really good players. Obviously, uh, Nolan Cox was on the team. He, we had multiple guys that went on to walk on, uh, on the men's team. I was, I was out of my world. I was out of my league being on that, on that practice squad. Do you want to hear my comp? <laughs> Uh, my basketball game? Oh, I thought you meant for my basketball game. <laughs> no, no, for mine. 
I, my comparison player comp is actually a current OSU basketball player. Can you guess who? <laughs> Probably Trey Reeves. Hey, come on now. <laughs> I was uh, I was dizzy. I couldn't dribble, couldn't play defense, couldn't do much. But other than if I got the, if I got the ball, just set, it, it's going in. Like it's I, going, I was a sharp. It's going I was out. a sharpshooter. I actually played. Uh, <laughs> I played middle school ball with uh, Obi Manello's older brother, Chuday. Yeah, and he was he was unbel- he was like James Harden. He could dribble so well, and uh, they they called me the sharpshooter because I, I couldn't dribble, I couldn't <laughs> do much of anything, but they could stick me in the corner and I could hit a three. Did his brother go on to play somewhere? Uh, he played small college ball, but he didn't he didn't play uh, D one or anything. But he was isn't, he was unbelievable. Isn't it crazy? Like the guys that in high school you're like, man, this guy's really good, and then he doesn't even end up at like, you know, even as like a tenth man on a Big Twelve school. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of it's out of your control. Like he he didn't grow to six three, you know. Like he was only five eleven, six foot, and that 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 really hurts you at that level because everyone's huge at the college level. Yeah. Unless you're just, you know, Jawan Evans, it's hard to be under six foot. Yeah, totally. Um, okay, I, I think that uh, – have we covered everything? Are you going Rest- to the game on Saturday? No, no, I'm not. Uh, wrestling, Big 12 Wrestlings this weekend. We got some – we got multiple people covering that. Uh, we got a photographer at Kansas Basketball and the Big 12 Wrestling on Sunday. So that'll be great. Uh, and by a photographer, I mean our only one, Jackson Lavernway. Shout out to him. He's awesome. He's uh, everywhere. Yeah, he's so great. He was at TCU a couple of weeks ago. My uh, my parents the other day were like, man, your photographer is really good. I was like, yeah, he's he's awesome. I'm glad we have him. So, um, yeah, spring, spring football roster's out. Not a ton of changes. I wrote a spring preview for the quarterbacks on Thursday. Uh, it's kind of, it's kind of weird Carson, because it's going to be the position where we learn the least in the spring and where we learn the most in the fall because of the two people coming in, uh, over the summer. Right. And I don't even know how you preview it. I mean, we haven't seen hardly anything from wood T we've seen Cornelius in a backup role. And, you know, I get asked on the radio all the time, you know, who's going to be the quarterback, Drew Brown or Spencer Sanders. And like, I haven't seen either throw a pass (laughs) and we're not going to see a lot in the spring. So I don't know, but I will say this, Drew Brown's interesting. You know, you, you, you pull up his highlights and again, they're highlights and they don't show you all the, all the warts or whatever, but he, uh, he's intriguing. Uh, He's got, he's got a little like baker to his game as far as scrambling around making things happen he's shorter that's gonna be kind of the natural comparison obviously i don't think he i guess i guess Sanders won't be on campus in spring i'm talking more uh during summer when they get into fall camp that's when the, they're really going to decide who's gonna be the quarterback yeah do you yeah, like him for sure. uh brown yeah yeah, I just think it's going to be Sanders. I mean, I think he's my, my chips are in in the middle of the table. I can't I can't pull him back. Well, I, I th- here's the here's the thing that's interesting. Brown is coming in uh, presumably like to be the starter, right? Like he he's coming to Stillwater not to like help the team out. He's coming in because he wants to be the starter. And there's a there's a scenario in which he's he's not even the backup. True. You know, like yeah. I, 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 I could see a scenario in which 
And, and it's going to be weird because one of these guys between Sanders, uh, Cornelius, Brown, and Woodty is not even going to be on the depth chart. I mean, he'll, he'll be on the depth chart because Gundy will put like 50 oars on there. But it's going to be like fourth string. Yeah, I mean, maybe Brown just saw the depth chart and saw a freshman coming in. He's like, I'm going to start. But don't you think he had some conversations with the OSU coaches before he made that call? Yeah, I, I guess. But, I mean, how, like, uh, how at, at that age, how much confidence did you have compared to, like, what your actual ability was? Like, <laughs> I mean, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like everybody thinks they're going to start. That's true. Um, no, I, I, I agree. I think if, if Spence, if it's even close, I think you got to go with Sanders and let him, let him go because he's, he's obviously the future, but, um, it's going to be interesting. I, I, Gundy has shown he's not afraid to start a true freshman. I keep going back to West Lawn. He started him over Walsh and, uh, Chelf. Yeah. So Gundy's not afraid, but uh, that's gonna be interesting, and especially if they get the Gunnell kid from, yeah, like that's that's gonna be the as I call it the four years quarterback war in Stillwater, yeah, and Spencer Sanders. That's great. Okay, uh, I got the Reload Pod coming up. You guys tune in to that one as well, and Carson, we will talk to you, uh, I guess, during the Big Twelve tournament next week. Sounds good. Okay, buddy. Talk to you later.